Uh, last week, you know, we started a new series, and so I'm going to recap just for a moment just so that we can all get on the same page together. But the series is called Let's Go, and, and it's more than just a title. I believe that this is significant in the life of our church. Uh, as, as I shared last week, I've been spending uh, really at the beginning of, from the beginning of the year until now, so you can do the math, about nine months, really just asking the Lord, seeking the Lord as to where are we as a church and what's our next step. You know, we talk about next steps we believe that every person has a next step, but I also believe that even as a church, we have a next step as a corporate body. And so just as it's important that I pray to find out as the pastor to find out, hey, where are we at? Because that's important. If you don't know where you're at, you don't know what your next step is. Hello. So some of you, I would encourage you, evaluate your spiritual life and say, where am I at? Because if you find out where you're at, you can know what your next step is. So that's important. And so, but as I begin to pray and I just begin to seek the Lord and, uh, you know, I began praying in January and the Lord, be, when we did our 21 days of prayer and fasting at the start of the year, and the Lord began to drop some things in my heart even back then, and he gave me some specific instructions that I was to do for a while, and then in August, we had our uh, four Monday nights of corporate prayer together, and I really felt like that that was the time to do that, and then the Lord dropped this message in my heart. And it's really, it's that, uh, because as many of you know, a year, a little, little under a year ago, we went through a transition. That me and Dara came here, and uh, so we stepped in to, to the role of pastors here at uh, TDP. And so, you know, but in a lot of ways, I felt like in my heart, and this is the best way I know how to tell you this. So I'm just, so forgive me if it's not a great illustration, but it's kind of like we kicked the car into neutral. It's time to put the car into gear and to begin to do what we're called to do. And I say that with a lot of love in my heart. Because transitions are, are funky, let's just be honest, for everybody. They're, they can be weird, and I know that everybody has expectations, and sometimes those expectations are met, and sometimes they're not. But I also know that God has called us to do something significant. And we have to choose to put the car in gear. And so that's what we're talking about. Let's go. Why? Because there's eternity at stake for people. It's not just about us. Is it, we can, and, and sometimes what can happen in moments uh, where in, in seasons of change, I mean, nobody likes change. Nobody likes it. Some people handle it better than others, but truthfully, nobody likes change. And yet the thing that I have learned about God is that he could care less about my comfort. Like he really could care less. What he does care about is my growth. What he does care about is what he's called me to do. And so the same thing is true for you and for us as a church body. And so that's really kind of the heart behind this series. It's not just, well, we picked a few things. I've been praying over this for months, which is unusual for me, quite honestly, that I would know something in months in advance and really pray through it and let the Lord develop it over a series of months. And so uh, this morning, I want to, well, before I get into this morning, let me just give you a couple of uh, thoughts. This morning, we are going to be sharing about be generous. Now, I know that we've already received the offering, so go ahead and take the money out of the equation. Because living generously is different than just being generous with your money. And, and so, but let me give you a couple of scriptures and really the heart behind this is, it comes out of Matthew 28 in verse 19 at the beginning in the passage translation, and I shared this last week, so I'm not going to read this all, but I want to give you just this one part. Jesus gave instructions, and the passage translation says it like this. It says, now go in my authority. In other words, what I'm about to tell you to do, he's not asking you to do in and of yourself. He's saying, go in my authority, in my strength, and in my ability. So in verse 19, 
it picks up, and, and so this is the New Living Translation. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And we call this the Great Commission. Many of you would know it, it referred to as that. It's the Great Commission. Last week, I shared with you the whole idea. If you break the word down, it means co-mission. In other words, we have a a dual mission. We we are partners with Jesus to what? To tell the world about what he has done, about who he is and what he's done. Jesus has done his part. I shared with you last week. Jesus has done the heavy lifting because he took care of death, sin, shame. Those are all pretty heavy. All we have to do is go tell people about what he's done. It's pretty awesome. We get the good end of the deal for sure, but the Bible's very clear. Angels are not going to go preach to people. People preach to people. Now, I know some of you will say, well, I'm not a preacher. That's what you do. That's why you're up there. That's why I'm down here, because you're the preacher. Yeah, but I think we've misinterpreted what that word preach actually means, because the word preach doesn't mean to stand in a stage and just yell, right? That's not what preach means. The word actually means to publish or to proclaim openly. It also means to make known. Kind of break it down even further. It just means share your story. People don't, let me say it this way. Your neighbor doesn't care why I love Jesus. They do care why you love Jesus. Because they know you. And they want to know, why do you go to church? Why do you serve? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? Like, I've watched you walk through some hard stuff, and man, you handled it like a champ, and I want to know why, how? How did you do that? And and so people want to know. And so last week I shared with you, and it's really where we get the whole title for this, is this, this, this thought, is it to go into all the world and be the gospel. So each week, I'm endeavoring to give you some practical things that you can do to not just talk about the gospel, but to be the gospel. You know, the gospel works best when it's active. Not when it's just verbal, when it's active, when there's some things applied to it. And so, uh, you know, and so we are called to go. We're not called to sit. We're not called to wait. I shared with you last week. Many people say, well, we're just waiting on Jesus to come back. Well, he's waiting on us. Waiting on us to do what? To tell everybody about him. And the Bible says, then the end will come. Everybody, you know, got all these speculations. When Jesus coming back? When Jesus, I can tell you, the Bible says, when every ear has heard, he will come back. When is that? Whenever we do our job. Now, we can't tell everybody in Europe about Jesus, but this is what we can do. We can tell everybody in our area. We can tell everybody in our job, not in a prideful, arrogant kind of way, just be normal. That helps a lot. Jesus was normal. Go find me where Jesus was weird. And where you find Jesus was weird, miracles begin to happen. So people will deal with weird if there's miracles. That's what I see in scripture. You know, he spits in the dirt. He puts it on a guy's eyes. That's weird. But the guy didn't care because he could see. So you can be weird as long as you have miracles. If you ain't got miracles, stop being weird, right? So... That's my little disclaimer for you. Just be like Jesus, okay? Be like Jesus. And this is such an important, powerful truth. And this has been rolling in my heart 
for months, and I've been saying it over probably the last month or two, just because it's been, I've just been, man, it's just been in me. And it's this phrase, and it says, is that we haven't just been saved only, or we haven't only been saved from something, which would be sin and death. How many of you are thankful we got saved from something? Oh my gosh, am I glad. I'm glad that Jesus came and set me free. I'm glad that I don't have to be bound. I'm glad that I can live in the life that Jesus came to give me, but there's a purpose for that life. It's not just so that it's me and Jesus and I'm happy till I get to heaven. There's, there's more of a purpose than that. And the truth is, is that we have also been, so we haven't just been saved from something, we've also been saved for something. It's part of our vision is that we want to what? Go make a difference. We have four things that we pray that every single person here experiences. And number one is that you would know God. Number two is that you would find real freedom. Like sometimes you don't know freedom until you get it. But you would find real freedom in your soul and in your, in your life. That's healing. Like that's, that's allowing God to really work in our hearts. We want you to discover your purpose. Why are you here? Like, of all the places you could have been today, why did God see fit that you were in church today? I don't believe it's by accident. I believe it's by design. And God has a purpose just like that. He has a purpose of why he made you. I believe before you were ever even conceived, God had a purpose. And he said, I need a person to fulfill this purpose. So every person, I believe, has a God design, a God purpose to be here. And once we get all those three things, so once you know God, once you uh, find freedom, once you discover your purpose, then you're ready to go make a difference. Because what we don't want to do is to send a bunch of hurt people out to try to help a bunch of people. Why? Because you reproduce who you are. Healthy people reproduce healthy people. It's just a fact. And we want to make sure that God is working in your life so that you can go out and make a difference. And so... In Matthew, I shared this last week, I'm not going to read all the verses, but in Matthew chapter 4 or 5, verse 14, it says that God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a, as a city that sat on a hill. We're going public. We're, God is not a secret. I am thankful for what God has done in my life, yes, but I want to see that happen over and over and over and over in other people's lives. The, the Passion Translation of this same verse, or in verse 16, says this, Let it shine brightly, let your light shine brightly before others, so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them. It will shine as light upon them, not just that they see your light, but they actually get to experience your life, your light that you're giving off. The Message Translation says it this way, it says, Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. So we got to be what? Not a closed book. We got to be an open book. Look, we're saved. We're not perfect. Okay? So never, never act perfect because everybody knows it ain't true anyways. Right? So just don't try to act perfect. Be real with people. But also recognize that I have a Savior because I need one. So he says, be open with others, and by being open with them, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. So as we live open lives, the people around us will actually open up and become more receptive to the Lord as well. The New King James says this, it says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. 
So let your light shine so they can see and they will end up glorifying God. Shine, see, glorify. Shine, see, glorify. That's what we're all called to do. We're to shine so that people can see Jesus, so that they can glorify God. You're like, I don't know what my purpose is. That's it. Shine so that somebody can see so that they will glorify God. That's it. It really boils down. Now, there's a lot of intricacies as to how that plays out, but this is what I know. Every single person is called to shine, to give off light to those around them. I've shared this this statement with you before, but it comes from St. Francis of Assisi. It says, to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel all the time, but if you have to, use words. Ralph Waldo Emerson says this, your actions speak so loud that I can't hear what you say. Sometimes I think that the church acts in a way that people plug their ears and say, I don't care to hear what you have to say because what you do speak so loudly that what you say is unbelievable. Like you want me to believe something and live something out that you claim to believe but you don't actually live out. We call that being a hypocrite, right? What happens when our words and our actions line up perfectly? We become believable. Let me say it in other words. We become trustworthy to those around us. And now they're receptive to the gospel. See, I think sometimes when we start talking about generosity, immediately we start talking about or thinking our our mind can default to, well, we're just talking about money. But do you realize that when we, when, when we really live generously is that it's actually not even about the person necessarily that we're being a blessing to. Yeah, they're going to get blessed, but you realize that God actually wants to have an impact in our heart. That's why he gives. That's why he instructs us. The Bible says, John three sixteen, most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved that he gave. You can say it this way, for God so loved that he was generous and sent Jesus to fix what we could never fix. That's who our father is. And yet we're to be in his image, we're to be in his likeness. And so, but I believe that when we make the determination to, to live a generous life, it has a massive impact in our heart. Not in our mind, because your mind's going to say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Why are you doing that? Are you crazy? But yet your heart, God wants to do something in our hearts. When we're generous, our hearts begin to open up. It's living a life with an open hand versus the closed fist. Here's the problem with the closed fist. Yeah, you're not going to lose anything, but ain't nothing coming into it either. If I live with an open hand, things may go out, but things can also come in. And God will see to it. If I live with an open hand, yes, I will be a blessing, but he will also see that when I need it, that people are going to come and be a blessing. And I don't mean just financially. Like if I'll sow words of grace to people. Paul gave us the instruction and said, so let your words be seasoned with the grace of God. So if I'll sow some seeds of, of, of encouraging words to people, guess what? When I need to be encouraged, guess what's coming back to me? It's the seed that I sowed. When I'm discouraged and I, I, I've, I've been encouraging people and I need a friend. I, I want to make sure that I'm a friend so that when I need one, I got one. And I've seen this play out in my life over and over and over and over again. So living generously, yes, it has a, 
a part to play financially, yes, but that's, that's just a piece. It's not the whole thing. Let me give you an example of this from the Bible. When the Bible speaks of the poor in Scripture, we're about to read a few Scriptures that talk about this. It's not just talking about the financially desperate. We think of that. Look, I've been in many countries. I've been to where people lived in the trash dump. Literally, kids are, are working in the trash dump to find food to eat. The city dump. I mean, I can go back like that. I can, I can remember the smell. Flies are all over me, drive me crazy, and they don't even pay attention to it. And they literally have bare, built homes into the, like, the dump truck would come up, drop the trash on a hill, it would slide down, and they would build homes into the trash. Crazy. And kids live there. See, many times when we think about poor, that's what we think about. It's like people who are desperately poor. But how many of you realize that we have people who are desperately poor next door? You're like, man, they live in a nice house and they drive nice cars. And yeah, but they're desperately poor. Why? Because they financially have what they need, but that's it. They're desperately poor in their soul. They're depressed and oppressed and the enemy's just having, just running ramshot in their life. And some of you may be like, hey, I feel like that. Well, I got good news. Jesus came so that you didn't have to be poor. Spirit, soul, or body. See, some people are poor in their spirit. The Bible says that until we come to know Jesus, that we are dead men walking. That's really what we are. We're, what? Our spirits are not, are not alive. Well, that would be poor in spirit. Some people are poor in soul. Some know Jesus, some don't. You may be here in this room, and yet you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You want to serve God, and yet there are things in your soul that are not where that God wants them to be, and that's why you need to find some freedom. Freedom comes in relationship with other believers. It's a powerful truth, and yet, and so, but we have to understand that. But guess what? If we're going to offer groups with, for people to go find life, guess what I need from you? I need you to go get in a group so you can share your life with somebody else who needs it. You're like, yeah, but that's going to take time. Generosity. Not thinking about self. So part of living generous might be staying committed to your group and say, man, I don't even like my group. That's why we do them in semesters. You can get out in the, in the winter and you ain't got to feel bad about it. But see, even just being involved in life with people, just making the determination that I'm going to go and I'm going to what build some relationships because it might not just be for you. Groups do not exist just for us. Let me say it this way. Just for those who aren't poor. Sometimes we need to go so we can give. Some of you, probably the Lord's been dealing with you and say, you need to lead a group. And you're like, ain't happening. Good news, you ain't got to do it this fall. But we have a spring semester coming. <laughs> go ahead, just, just commit to doing it. Live generously, make up your mind. I'm going to give of myself because I believe that when I give, that life comes back to me. It's a principle of the seed. The word lacking means to be, uh, or I'm sorry, the word poor means to be lacking less than adequate or to be barren. 
So it doesn't mean that they just don't have it. It just means that they're lacking what they need. And many people around us are lacking what they need. And it might be in their spirit. It might just be in their soul. It it might not just be in the natural. Don't look at the natural. I mean, statistics tell you that when you go to a rich neighborhood, there's more broke people in the rich neighborhood than not. You're like, I don't believe that. Go do a little research. Upper middle class to upper class neighborhoods, 80% of people are one, one paycheck away from losing everything. So when you drive by and you're like, man, that's a nice million-dollar house, and I wish I had a Mercedes, and I, they're one paycheck away from losing it all. That's statistics. That's not just me making that up. You can go do the research. So just because you look at the outside, I remember one time I was at a Christmas party and at this gentleman's house who was a believer, and he used this phrase, and I was probably I was in college, um, and I'll never forget the statement. Because I'm sitting there and I'm watching all these people who were the who's who of the city that I lived in. And he was a, a rather large gentleman. Like just, I mean, his hand was like as big as my head, you know, kind of thing. Just massive. And he came and he put his arm around me. And he said, you see all these people in this room? I'm like, yes, sir. He said, you ever heard of the down and outers? I said, yeah. And he says, well, these are the up and outers. This is who I'm called to. Never thought about it. Here he is, a very successful man, but he's realizing, hey, there's brokenness all around me. It doesn't matter. See, poor is not just a neighborhood. It's not just an area of town. No, poor is brokenness. Jesus came to restore that which was broken. He came to heal that which was broken. How is Jesus going to do that? It's going to come from us. Let me say it It's going to come through us. We don't have to do it, but we got to be the conduit for which God can flow through. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, it says, Every time that you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't want to give money to them. What are they going to do with it? You're giving it to them, you're giving it to the Lord. Make your decision. Who's going to repay you? I don't think they're going to, I don't think the chances are very good they're going to repay you. But yet here it says, every time that you give to the poor, every time that you're generous, You make a loan to the Lord. And he says, don't worry, you'll be repaid in full for the good that you've done. Doesn't mean to be wasteful. That's not what I'm saying. But but the Bible does say that when we lend to the poor, we are lending to the Lord. That's why one of the things that we do, like we support missionaries who do feeding programs. Feed hundreds and thousands of kids. You're like, yeah, but they're just you're just feeding them. Yeah, but it's in the name of Jesus. They're not just getting a meal, they're getting a meal and Jesus. We have a responsibility. Whether you realize it or not, you're part of the top 4% richest in the world. If you live in America, it doesn't matter where you're at in the American scale. If you're at the bottom of the American scale, our poverty level is the top 4% in the world. So we are abundantly blessed here. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says that whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is kind to those in need actually honors God. It brings glory to God. This is what we're here for, is what? To do the work of the ministry. What is that? It's reaching people. It's loving people. It's meeting people where they are and helping them take their next step closer to God. 
You may not share, and you know, you may share an encouraging word with the person who sits at the desk next to you, and they may not get saved that day. But you just keep watering that seed. You keep sowing those seeds. You keep watering those seeds. You keep watering. Not weird. Just love them where they're at. Love them where they're at. Because guess what? That's what God did with us. He didn't ask us to get everything together before he would accept us. He said, I love you right where you're at. I love you right in the middle of your mess. He just loves us too much to leave us in the middle of the mess. See, we need to love like he loves. And that comes and that flows out of a generous spirit that I shared about earlier. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says that we know uh, that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion. One translation says it this way, is that if someone sees a need and they close up their heart, it's like if you see a need and you look the other way because you feel that tug in your heart, you're like, oh, nope, not today. You're, what you're doing is you're closing up your heart. You're actually hardening your heart. But it says, if someone sees a need and shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? He says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's not just say it, let's show it. It's easy to tell somebody you love them. It's work to show them that you love them. Don't just say it. Do it. Show it. You know, I remember when I was in Bible school that, I, I, that one of the classes that I had to take was a love class. Like a class on the love of God and how we're supposed to walk it out. And so my, uh, my instructor for his final gave me the hardest test that I've ever been given in my life. Because he said, I want you to pray about blessing someone, loving someone that you don't want to. And instantly I knew. And I was like, mm-mm, ain't happening. And it happened to be in the area of generosity. And the Lord told me, and now I'm, I'm a broke college kid, by the way, at this time. He said, give $100 to this person. And I, my first thought was, they don't need my money. <laughs> they do not need my money. I need their money, actually. Lord, why don't you, you send it. The mail came to the wrong address, returned to sender. And send this to him and tell him to give me $100. Then I'll know you love me. But God didn't care about him. He wanted my heart. And I had two weeks. I'll never forget. I had two weeks to do it. And I knew that I knew that I knew. And I was just, man, I was fighting. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I was like, but I can't fail the class. I'm, I want to be a preacher. It's not going to look good if I get an F on the love class in Bible school. And my whole grade was dependent upon this moment. And I'm like, gum it. And so I got all the way, I mean, like the day before. I would like to say I was a joyous, happy, prompt to do it giver. No, I was a begrudging, slow, slightly upset, and angry giver. And I gave that money. Even when I gave it, I thought, you don't deserve this. You know, I mean, just, just being honest. But man, it did something in my heart. It actually changed the way I saw him. It really did. It caused compassion. I went from judging him to being compassionate towards him. And one of the things that I learned from this is that I, 
I can't try to justify, and we can't try to justify whether we should be a blessing to someone or not. We really shouldn't. That's up to God. Our responsibility is to be obedient when he prompts us. I'm not saying that we have to do everything for everybody. We can't. It's impossible. But the Lord will drop certain things and certain people into your heart. Those are the things that we need to do. Now I want to give you an example, a practical example of this from a friend of mine who posted something on social media. His name's Solomon, and he was at Starbucks and uh, had a moment in a Starbucks. And I want to show you what this actually looks like. So can we put that slide up? I'm actually, we have, so you can see it here. So he makes a note. Every day he posts this online, and it's like his prayer to God. But I want to read you the story. He says, hey, God, this morning I saw a person go off on the barista at Starbucks. If you don't know what a barista is, that's who makes your coffee for you at Starbucks. It says they were upset that their drink was taking so long and that other people were receiving their drinks who ordered it after them. The customer yelled and walked out, and I noticed that their car had a church bumper sticker. As I looked in the barista's eyes, I could see that she was hurt and embarrassed. So I asked her if she was all right, and I told her, or I told her something that I learned, is that people can hurt you, but they can also heal you. I know that customer sucked, but my goal is to be so awesome that you forget about her. I asked her if I could pay her cell phone bill, and she cried. I paid it. I told her that I would pray for her. I pray that for every bad witness a person experiences, I'm going to have to pull up the bottom of this, for the, the, every bad experience that a person has, you send someone to show them your love and your goodness because that's what you did for us. Solo. That's his sign-off name. He posted every day. See, something that simple. But how... Unfortunate is it that many times we can have the right bumper sticker on our car, we just don't measure up to it. Got the little Jesus fish and like, oh, I love Jesus. I just hate people. You know, it's like, wait a second. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a second. I thought Jesus loved people. See, here's what I know. If you love my wife, I love you. If you love my wife, I will love you. Why? Because she matters to me. If I love what God loves, he loves me. I'm not trying to earn anything at all. That's not the point. But I believe that something amazing happens when the church begins to get mobilized. I shared this last week is that the local church isn't the hope of the world, although I believe partly yes. But I believe the local church mobilized The local church in movement brings hope to the world. And so this week, your challenge, each week I'm giving you a challenge. Is it this? Is that we have, let's go, cards. You're going to get them as you leave. And it just says, this week, your challenge. How many of you did the challenge this last week to be vocal? How many of you shared a testimony or something with somebody and went out of your way and, and just prayed for God opportunities? Well, this week, my challenge is this, is to be generous. Be generous with your life. And so in the next couple minutes, I want to give you some practical ways practical ways that you can be generous. Now, the first ones of these are on the back of this card, so I'm going to roll through these pretty quick. You could buy someone's meal, buy their coffee, whatever. We also have generosity cards. When you do these things, give them this. They're out there at the information center, and it just, it says something extra for you. You know, South Louisiana, we use that word lanyap, right? A little, little something extra. What's in the gumbo? A little something extra. 
I can't tell you, but a little something extra. A little something extra just to tell you that God loves you. That's what it's all about. See, I'm being so generous, I'm just throwing them out. You could cook a meal for a neighbor or a coworker. For some of our younger people, you could mow somebody's grass for them for free. You could watch some kids. When you go to a restaurant, leave a huge tip for your waitress just for the fun of it. Like, especially on those days where it's obvious they're having a bad day. Hey, thanks. I appreciate your work. It's going to get better. Here's something to brighten your day. Jesus loves you. You can sow a seed into somebody's life that you know that is struggling right now financially. But the reality is is that money is one of the easiest ways to be generous. It costs you the least, actually, because it doesn't cost you much time. Time is more valuable than money because you ain't getting more time. Money you can get more of. So let me give you some examples of this, of ways that you can be generous beyond just the financial realm. So in the keeping with the theme, be the house that your kids' friends want to come to. My parents made this determination that I was not going to just go to everybody else's house. As a matter of fact, my friends wouldn't let me go to their house. They're like, my mom's crazy, my parents are dumb, let's go to your house. So my parents didn't have to worry about me running and doing crazy stuff because they just made the decision. We're going to have an open door policy. One time, I sprung it on my parents and said, hey, I want to buy a boxing match tonight. And I want to invite some friends over. Little did I know that 100 people were going to show up at my house. My parents were like, oh, my gosh. And we had them packed in there like sardines in this one room that we had a TV, which made no sense. But literally, people are just everywhere. I'm like, I didn't know this many people even like boxing. But they made a decision that they were going to be the place that kids were welcome to come to as a teenager. And they opened up their house. And they opened up their fridge. And many times my dad swore he was feeding the neighborhood. He kind of probably was. But I can't tell you how many people to this day still call my mom, Mama Sue. And how many young men will call my dad and ask for advice. Not because he's their dad, but because he fed them. Because they, what, they just made the determination, we're going to be generous. Now, they had an ulterior motive. They wanted to know what I was doing. So that's a good side benefit for you, parents. But they just made the determination, we're going we're gonna to open up our doors. And it didn't mean that they just let me do whatever I wanted. They established some rules. And if you didn't abide by those rules, it's my house, I'm paying for it, you can get out. And they would do that at times. Actually, they made me do it. <laughs> They did. They'd be like, hey, those couple guys are, we don't want them here. You got to tell them they got to leave. You invite them, you can tell them to go. That wasn't real fun, but what was the option? Either they go or everybody goes. So I'm not saying it's free for all. So, but that's a great way. And, and especially for you men, give them the big screen in the living room. Don't just send them back there to the room. Engage with them, talk with them, build some relationships with them. Why? Because those are your kids' friends. If you want to know what your kid's into, find out what those kids are into. You're going to find out what your kids are into, too. 
See, my parents made up their mind to do that. Here's another side of this is to be present in those moments. Don't just say, well, y'all come. I'm going to my room. Be present. Be present. Here's another one. And, and I said this is that sometimes you may feel like that you're feeding neighborhood kids, but yes, but speak life into them. Ask them, can I pray for you for anything? How's everything going at home? How's school? These are just some practical ways. Show them that you actually care about them. Just make the determination. Here's another good example, and I forgot to get the numbers, but you can be a mentor. You can mentor a a young man or a young woman. Kyle, do you remember the number that Dane told us? It was over 200. I don't remember it. In our parish, we have over 200 kids right now who need to be mentored through big brothers and big sisters. That may be something the Lord would put in your heart. Well, guess what? It's going to require that you're generous. You're willing to give of your time. You're willing to give of your life. Why? Because, I mean, they're not just teenagers. They're the future. And some of you have some discretionary time that you could be investing your life into other people. You can volunteer with a cause that matters to you. We have people who volunteer with homeless. We have people who who volunteer with, like, uh, pregnancy centers, crisis pregnancy centers, those types of things. Find something that matters to you, something that that you already have a heart for, and go find a place. And if you can't find a place, we will help you find a place to go make a difference. Now, this is a big one. You're like, oh, now you're going too far. Maybe the Lord would call you to adopt or to foster a kid. Like, oh, my gosh, you know what that cost? Actually, I do. My sister adopted two boys that are three months apart. So I know this one really well. They actually did foster to adopt. They had them for a year before they actually found out they could adopt them. Talk about changing the destiny of a young person. I mean, and these happen to be babies. I mean, these were a few months old when my sister took them in. But I know what those, these particular two boys' lives would have been like had my sister and brother-in-law not stepped up. They changed the course of their life. Why? Because they chose to be generous. You can do things like helping a widow or an elderly person. You can take care of their lawn. You can do house projects. You can visit a nursing home. Here's another easy one is that be a coach on your kid's team. You're already going to be at the game anyways, hopefully. So go and be a coach. Lead the troop. Be present. Be involved in their life. Take an interest because not only do you affect your kids, you affect every other kid on that team because I can look back. One of the reasons that I serve God today, one of the reasons was a baseball coach that I had because he was the first man that I knew was a Christian outside of the church that I grew up in. And I'm like, he's the real deal. And I respected him. And that's why I, one of the reasons he was a, a huge influence in my life. So here's, my, here's my, one of my thoughts, my last thoughts for you. Is that never dismiss yourself. Never allow the enemy to lie to you saying that you have nothing to offer. Because the enemy would love to convince you that you have nothing to offer. Doesn't matter your age. Everyone can add value to somebody. 
doesn't matter your capacity, doesn't matter your ability, you can add value. If we would live lives with that being the focus, I'm just trying to add value to somebody today. Don't make it so huge. How do I add value to somebody's life today and live that way? We're going to be having opportunities, what, that we can go out and to be a difference. And so my encouragement is to go out this week and to be a difference for someone. Now, as I wrap up, I want to share one quick little story with you. One quick thing as we wrap up. There, there's, and I don't know the full story, but I'm going to tell you what I remember about it. There was a young boy on a beach one day, and he was, the, the whole beach was just covered in, in starfish up on the beach, up on the sand. And this little boy's there, and he would grab a starfish and fling it back in the ocean and grab another starfish and fling it out in the ocean. And, but the beach is covered. And so this gentleman walks up to this young boy and says, young man, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save all these starfish. And, and I'm sure this man was probably well-meaning, and he's like, young man, you realize you can't save all these starfish. There's way too many for you to throw back into the ocean and the little boy picks up a little starfish and says no but I can save this one and he flings it back into the ocean see sometimes we can look at problems you know I say that about oh we got 200 kids in our parish right now 200 plus kids who need to be who need to be mentored we're like oh my gosh I can't 200 I can't do anything what about the one because that one matters to God that one coworker, that one neighbor, that one relative, that one friend. Don't try to fix it on a, on a mass scale. Just find one. Find your one. Because I, I, I promise you, there is an area, there is a specific area that the Lord is asking you to be generous in. And say, would you make a difference in this life? Because they're precious to me. Because they matter to me, I'm asking them to matter to you. That's what this is all about. It's about living a life with a kingdom mindset, saying, God, I want to be used by you, and I want people to come to know you. And we can do that in lots of different ways. And I've just given you just just a couple. And my encouragement is is just to begin to pray and ask the Lord. Lord, how how can I make a difference? Where can I make a difference? What can I do? You may, you may be limited, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything. It might be just loving your kid's best friend. It might be that simple. They'll come to you. You ain't even got to go find them. They come to your house anyways. Invite them to stay for dinner. Little things. Just find the area that God would have for you to do and just commit to it. Say, nope, I'm going to make a difference. I'm, I'm going I'm to have a generous spirit, and I'm going to live to make a difference. Amen.